Welcome to Co-Creation Station with Colin and Stephanie, a podcast about the law of attraction, the art of allowing, spiritual magic, and how to enjoy this strange and miraculous journey we call life. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now here are your hosts, Colin and Stephanie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Co-Creation Station, the podcast where we talk about the law of attraction, the art of allowing spiritual magic, the mind-body-spirit connection, and how best to enjoy this mystical, miraculous, mysterious, crazy, sometimes confounding, but always incredible journey we call life. Uh, this is season three. I can't remember what episode it is, um, but it is. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, January 23rd, um, 2022, and it's scheduled to go live on a Monday in the future. Uh, my name is Colin. I'm a teacher, tarot, oracle card reader, and I'm also a singer and guitarist in the band Red Treasure, and I am located in beautiful, sunny North Hollywood, California. My name is Stephanie Orlina. I am a transformational life coach, and I help people shift away from negative thinking, and it transforms their lives, and I am in San Diego, California. We want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you're listening to the audio version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, or Overcast, and thank you so much for watching us. If you're watching us on our YouTube channel, we post a brand new episode every Monday morning, and we want to thank you so much for liking this episode, for following, subscribing, <coughs> subscribing to and reviewing us on your podcast platform, and subscribing to our YouTube channel here. These all help other people find us, and we are very, very grateful to you for that. Uh, we also invite you to leave us a comment on the U- YouTube video here, or you can always email us at cocreationstation1111 at gmail.com. Each week here on Co-Creation Station, we start our discussion from a different jumping off point. And uh, this week, uh, we were, we're going to talk about, um, I guess we kind of had two different things we were going to talk about, but that are definitely connected. Uh, one is like, why are we... Why are so many people comfortable with you talking on and on and on about negative things, whereas if you bring up a positive thing twice, yeah, Um, whereas if you bring up a positive thing twice, people are like, yeah, you already told me about that. Um, And the other thing that goes along with that is this uh, thing. We were, I think we maybe were talking about this in the previous episode a little bit, but we didn't get really far into it, which is you know, allowing ourselves as adults in the modern world to show emotion when we're in the presence of other people. Like we, there's so much in our culture that is just all about like not showing emotion and sort of tamping down things if you feel them. Um, Yeah, so we're gonna talk about that as well. So um, Stephanie, you're the one that uh, in our friend time here before you started talking about which I thought was a really interesting thing about how this phenomenon of like, why are we okay with people talking about their problems all day long? But, you know, if we already told you about something that was really great, you know, and you hear it, you start hearing it a second time. You're like, yeah, I'm a, you already told me that. <laughs> well, I forget specifically. I was what incidents, but I was just thinking like, yeah, if I, if I start to tell a pr- friend, um, something good, but that I've already told them before. And I start to tell them again, like say it's a story, you know, I have some great allowing stories. And, um, and in my head, I'm thinking that they're thinking, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that they're thinking like, Oh, you already told me that. Why are you telling me that again? But on the same token, it's like, I could be with that same friend and bring up a problem I'm having 
and they'll let me just go on and on. And not to say that they're stopping me. Well, so this is about me then, right? Because they're not telling me that, well, Steph, you already, well, actually, mm. somebody has said that before. You already told me that story. <laughs> But yet I can go on and on about a problem. Like, you know, I think all of us can relate. Do we have at least one or two things that are just like bugging us or we always talk about and I could just go on and on and they would just listen. And why do we do that? Is it like I was thinking it's a habit, right? Like we're just used to talking about the stuff, the problems and not about the good stuff. Yeah. So... I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, I think we're, you know, we've talked before, I think we talked a lot in season one, actually, about what we've learned about the brain, you know, um, over the last 10, 15 years in terms of the science, which is that, you know, the brain is, um, was really designed through evolution to actually like protect us number one you know the number one the number one function of the brain is to help keep us alive um so in caveman cavewoman times what that means is it was most it's its highest most important function was looking for dangers and threats and problems you know um if there alive. was an intruder that what's up to keep us alive yeah, to keep us alive, right? So if there were wild animals coming to attack our family or our cave, or if there were if there was a warring tribe coming over the hill to attack our you know our community, or if we were running out of food, or if it was too cold and we needed to build a bigger fire or something like that, like that's what our brains were primarily. We were at such a survival oriented level that that's what our brains really developed to handle the best. And uh, sorry, you look like you want to say something. No, I'm just listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are experiencing some internet issues here this morning, and I apologize. We've we've done everything we can to try to resolve the Zoom issues here, but uh, yeah, Stephanie, you're frozen. Am I? Right. At this point, okay. yeah, you might want to log off and log okay. back on. Sorry. Right. Go ahead and continue your story. I'll be coming right. back in. Okay. Yeah, my apologies to everybody. We had in friend time, we were having the internet issues and uh, we thought we troubleshooted them and everything was looking fine. So <laughs> um, sorry about that. Um, but yeah, we were talking in season one about um, how so now today, when we go, go through our lives on a day to day basis, like our brains are still kind of most commonly wired to deal with problems, threats, and dangers. And so it's trying, you know, our brains sometimes are actually trying to find, you know, scan our environment, scan our day, and see like, what are the problems I need to solve? What are the dangers to me? What are the threats that might, you know, uh, harm me or, you know, impact my life negatively in some particular way? Hello, you're back. Um, you are not frozen now, so that's good. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that, um, today, <laughs> uh, for those of you on the audio version, Stephanie just froze in real life to look like she was freezing on Zoom, but, um, she was trying to trick me, so it's funny. Um, yeah, but, um, there, so I mean, modern life for the most part, not that there aren't any dangers or threats to us, I mean... If you have a walk signal and you're, you know, walking across a, a busy street, but you have a walk signal, 
and the cars are supposed to have a red light, but you see, you know, you look to your left and you see a car that doesn't seem to be observing the red light, it's coming very fast, then you do need that sort of survival part of your brain to like kick in some adrenaline for you and, you know, either back up really quick or run fast across the sidewalk or something like that. Um, you may be out on a nature hike and, you know, one in a million, you might encounter like a dangerous animal that isn't often encountered and you might need to, you know, uh, run very fast or something like that if you see a bear or whatever. Um, but for the most part in modern life, the things that we really get stressed out about and that we see as problems and that we start obsessing over and talking in our own minds about and analyzing and then sharing by complaining with other people and trying, you know, that sort of stuff like um, projects, you know, like I work in, I've worked in corporate America a lot, you know, we'll have projects, you know, that we do. And like, sometimes we'll hit a roadblock on a project. And, you know, I've done this, I've seen coworkers done it, we'll really get upset and negative and like, like, it like, as if a warring tribe is coming over the hill. But the reality is, it's like, we just have to do something different in Microsoft Excel or something. <laughs> it's like, it's like not life threatening. It's <laughs> more habitual. It's just yeah. because it's habitual. That's yeah. the bottom yeah. line, right? It's just a pat. Yeah, it's, it's how our brains are set up. And then I think it's also how we yeah, it's a pattern that we that we form as as kids and then keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's why I liked the tell me something good. Yes, that I got from Dr. Chris years ago when I was lying on the table, she was adjusting me and she's like, tell me something good. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. I'm like, I'm gonna take that. And she's like, you go ahead, because I took it from whoever she did. I don't remember at the time. But I remember yeah. I started using that in my coaching. And I would just start that off you know it would say hi hi and then i'd be like tell me something good and um yeah and then then i and then i just started using it in like everyday life like my grandkids you know they're much older now but there was a time where i was didn't know what to say to them and so i'd be like tell me something good and they would i would learn some of the most the coolest things yeah and then i remember being at a restaurant one day and the waiter came over and i was like tell me something good and he was like what like he just kind of looked at me like excuse me and then I said tell me something good and he was like well he goes I'm gonna be on vacation going on vacation next week and I'm going to blah 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 he was super happy um yeah and some people they have to like really stop and think um because I think yeah, you know, yeah it, it's just that we've talked before about the you know the, the canyon grooves in our brains and these patterns, yeah. the neural pathways that we're just, they're just deep valleys. Like they're like the grand Canyon for negativity and it's just accepted. Um, and it is just retraining our brain. I also think, yeah, this is a really big topic. Um, but one, one other aspect of it too, is I think that we have, I was thinking about this this week and I think this is connected, which is like the fear of success or, or your, or our resistance to sharing our successes with others. Like there's this whole thing that I think we grow up with a lot or not everyone, but a lot of us grow up with it in our culture that like, if you talk a lot about your successes with other people, then you you're going to really run the risk of looking arrogant or egotistical or like you know uh looking like you're trying to Im imply that you're better you're somehow a higher level person than the people around you and i know i definitely got this message in my upbringing it's like 
tamp yourself down so you don't make anyone else uncomfortable, you know, with things going really well for you. Like if you have a success, that's good, but other people are having it really hard. So don't, you know, don't, don't throw it in their face that you're doing well when they're not doing well. And I think that there's some, you know, whenever we get into these complicated things that seem to mess us up, you know, especially in terms of like being able to use the art of allowing really well, which is what we primarily talk about here. There's like, there is healthy and unhealthy mixed in. Like if someone's loved one has just passed away, I don't want to be like, oh, that's so bad. But I just got a bonus at my job last week. Isn't that great? Like, you know, (laughs) there's such a thing as empathy (laughs) and human, you know, understanding of like when it's appropriate to share certain things. So you don't want to do that. And there's all, and there is also such a thing as egotism and arrogance, which is different than confidence and being positive, like arrogance and um, ego, being egotistical is like not, it's like really believing that you're better somehow than other people and that your life is more important than, than theirs and your successes are better than theirs and, you know, your problems are more important than their problems and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not talking about that either, like going around bragging you know, from a very, from a very egotistical, you know, it's all about me kind of place is not what I'm talking about. But I think we're so terrified of being that, that a lot of us just decide, well, we're just going to keep, you know, we're just going to keep most of our successes or the good things to ourselves. And then that becomes a habit where it becomes very weird if you start, you know, because like in your coaching sessions, when I was a client, when you start the, I got used to it, but even, you know, a year or two into our, my coaching with you, you know, I would know it's coming, but I we'd start our, you know, session on the phone and you'd be like, tell me something good. And I'm like, man, I've been knowing this is coming for a week and I still feel uncomfortable because like well, it just depended. All right. On how your day was going or how you were feeling week, that yeah. morning or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, you know, for all of us, it's kind of like some days we're on it and other days we're like, I am so far away from that. One of the things that you said was brag. I think um, years ago, I learned from Mama Gina, who is um, based in New York City. And she wrote a book called The School of Womanly Arts. And I had picked up her book at Super Crowns years ago and just loved it. I think she has a chapter in there about bragging. And I know in her work, she talks a lot about bragging. And for some, I think for some men, it's... it's, um, it's easier for them to brag than for women. Oh yeah. Um, however, she would do this whole thing where, you know, you just brag and you go ahead. And so I, you know, I always take what I like and leave the rest. And I, I grabbed onto that. So I've over the years have told my friends, go ahead and brag, like, please do. Cause they'll have yeah. like some success and I'll be like, wait a minute. They're like, I don't want to brag. I'm like, wait a minute, pause. I'm like, I want you to brag. It's okay. You can brag to me. And so, and, and there are a couple of women in my life who I just know they get the bragging thing. And I'm like, I'm going to brag. Like I even get uncomfortable with it sometimes too, but, or I'll be like, I just need to brag that. And then, you know, tell whatever it is that I'm super proud of myself about or what have you. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is that it's, it's context, right? So it's like, like for me, for my closest friends, I want them to be able to brag. Like with with you and some of my sister, Kelly, who's been on the show many times and, and other of my closest friends, like I want you to be able to brag to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but that's different where if like I'm if I go to a party and I know a couple people, but I don't know most of the people, you know, for me to be like, yeah, I'm doing really well. My life's going really great. You know, like that's a little different because I think um, that can come off as arrogance or egotisticalism or whatever like not really knowing who, you know the not respecting the context of where i'm at where i am what sort of situation is um be, precisely because of that i mean like if you're talking to a total stranger you and you have a zero like you don't know anything about them they don't know anything about you you could say you could brag about something that is actually like a horrible negative childhood memory for them or something like that you're just like well I, i'm on this you know, I don't know. I can't think of a hypothetical example, but something that would just like, you know, it for you, it's totally great. But just because you don't know this person, you don't know the context, you know, for them, they wouldn't really feel it that way. I think we've, I don't know, I've definitely had that situation in social situations like parties in the past where like, I start talking about something that normally everybody has a really great response to. And one person is like, you know, says something like, oh, my mother died, you know, when I was 12 from that or something. And it's like, my whole story just is like, yeah. all right, that's the end of that story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry <laughs> about your mother. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's such a thing as context, but um, I think it's really important for us to, to allow our, the, the folks that are closest to us to really brag because yeah. then you don't have to worry so much about that line of like, Oh, am I, am I over the line or whatever? And you can just yeah. let yourself, you know, be in the joy and the celebration and the Absolutely. healthy, healthy pride, you know, yeah. like I accomplished something or something good happened to me or whatever, you know, when you but, celebrate with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But I think, you know, the other weird part of this, cause you brought up the whole men versus women thing and, you know, those are always generalizations, you know, we're, we're in, we're always individuals and there's always nuance, but there are such things as trends and general, you know, large scale things that happen. And one thing that's really gotten into our, um, our conversation about mental health in, at least in the United States in the last few years is this pattern that people are, you know, therapists and, um, psychologists and, and, people who have gotten sucked into it have started to really identify and talk about is this romantic relationship pattern that tends to happen between a, uh, a man. Uh, and I'm just, I'm talking heterosexual here, but you know, you can make the flip everything for, for same gender things. But, um, the, uh, the man who is a, has a narcissistic personality disorder, who's way far on the narcissism spectrum, and then a woman romantic partner with him who is an empath, you know, who is very empathic, very um, attuned towards helping others, listening, you know, that sort of thing. And how that can be like a super like nuclear level destructive relationship, especially for the woman. Um, but one of the things I've heard, I've now met you know, several, I've had some experience with narcissists in my life, but I've now talked to a few women that have told me stories of like in their past, they had this narcissism, uh, empath, you know, they were the empath and they got involved with a male narcissist. And like, one of the things they talk about in the beginning is like how they were attracted by the fact that the man bragged about himself so much in the beginning and also, uh, did this thing called love bombing them 
like complimented them on all sorts of stuff, you know, <laughs> and like was just constantly like, wow, you're really great at this. And wow, you're really beautiful. That outfit is amazing. And then also mixed it in with their thing of like, yeah, I'm really amazing at my job. And like everybody in my company thinks I'm great. And the, the misstep there is that you don't really see happening at the time, you know, cause you're kind of sucked into this, like, Oh, everything's yeah. magical. <laughs> but the, you in, like, yeah. hook, line, but the, mis the misstep there is, you know, in terms, and I'm not blaming, you know, the victims here, but like, um, for the, for the person who falls for the narcissist, the misstep is they don't necessarily feel good enough about themselves. Mm -hmm. So when the narcissist, builds them up with all these hyper compliments, the love bombing, the beginning, it just feels so good yeah. because that person hasn't felt able to brag about themselves, you know, to other people. So it's this the love bomb, as you say, themselves. right. They haven't yeah. been able to love bomb themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So somebody the else love bomb. I like yeah. that, but to turn it around and just like love bomb ourselves. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. But the other misstep is getting attracted to is mistaking the narcissism <laughs> for confidence. And, and I think that's the thing is it's, it's so rare in our culture that someone, when you first meet them, will tell you all the great stuff about themselves that when somebody that doesn't be a red flag to begin with, right? Like, <laughs> well, but. It, there's a fine line, right? Because you don't, nobody wants to date. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but like, typically you don't want to date somebody who, if you go on a first date, they're running themselves down negatively the whole time, right? That's no, a I'm not saying flag. that either, but right. no, I'm not even going there. Yeah. Like right. that's a red flag too. Right. Um, <laughs> I just mean like some there, I think that there should be this give and take mm -hmm. Yeah. and that there's, there's, um, healthy confidence in where I just naturally share something or they yeah. would naturally share something like, yeah, I love my work and I'm really good at it. I've been doing it for X amount of years and I'm very successful. Yeah. Boom, there. Instead yeah. of like ongoing and yeah. then it's like, you know, just kind of noticing like this person talks about themselves a lot. They're not asking me many questions. Hmm. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think there's such a thing as like this sort of um, golden balance, which is tough. It's, you know, like anything in life where you're trying to balance it, it's tough and it's probably more of an ongoing process, yeah. but it's trying to balance healthy confidence with healthy humility and not not go so far in the confidence realm that you be, you're a total narcissist, egotistical narcissist who's just like, I'm great, I'm great, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Um, and But you're also not you don't go so far past humility that you're running yourself down all the time that there's this like you you appreciate and are able to talk about what you like about yourself what you like about your life what you feel like is going well but you also have the humility to understand that you you are equal in value to every other human on this planet um you have flaws like everybody else you know like that sort of thing but i mean i think we talk about that like yeah just be like that and it's, it's challenging because we get a lot of messages you know, like, I, I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of, um, you know, productivity gurus. I don't know. I, I've just always been fascinated with people who are sort of talking on YouTube or, you know, uh, various internet platforms about like how people can improve their life. 
and a lot of them you know they're very aggressive you know <laughs> i mean they're just very very aggressive about like you need to get up every morning and you need to shout you know like i've got to win or whatever you know and it's mm -hmm. like it, it's it's so you got that going on and then we get conditioned by our sort of usually by our families and perhaps our church or our school or whatever again not to shine too brightly like don't make other people feel uncomfortable by and those that's a mixed message you know like yeah, you know go be number one but like don't make anybody uncomfortable it's like you know it's challenging i think yeah i, I guess it just depends on where you're at yeah like if you're a narcissist like all of this stuff would just go over your head you just like you wouldn't even be having this conversation yeah we're not going to convert any narcissist on yeah this yeah but at the same being time -narcissists. You know, I think it's, it's finding out like what we need you know some yeah. of us need to like boost ourselves up and yeah um and and have friends who are supportive and you know compliment us or what have you but then at the same time i think it it all begins with us right like i i need right. to do that for myself as well and so listening to you know podcasts like this and youtubes yep. where people are you know supporting you and being your best self and like loving yourself and being kind and and seeing your your characteristics that are wonderful yeah um, <clears throat> yeah no i mean to bring it back to the beginning of what we were talking about I think that's the aspect that becomes that comes into play if we're talking about the law of attraction, which is, as you always point out to me, is always operating. Yeah. You know, twenty four seven, three sixty five. It's always operating. It's always picking yeah. up on our vibration. Yeah, and, it, and uh, we're not we're not turning it on or off. We don't. Right. We don't have that capability. Right, and so our our goal is to practice the art of allowing, which is acknowledging that the law of attraction is operating all the time and getting our vibration, our feeling, our thinking as positive as possible to, and as sort of relaxed and gentle as possible to allow good stuff to flow in and allowing ourselves to feel good mainly, like that's the most yeah. important thing. And so if we don't talk well about ourselves, and this goes for our mental self-talk, but also I do this because I'm, I'm afraid people don't won't know where their brain is. Um, for those of you on the audio version, I just pointed to my head with my fingers to make sure everybody understood that I meant mental um, self-talk. But both with our self mental self-talk and when we're talking to others, yeah, if we get into, I mean, I've had this thing in the corporate world, and I think a lot of people who work in the corporate world in, in America at least can relate to this. I mean, there's a lot of potential things that are frustrating when you're working for an organization that is, you know, several hundred or several thousand people, and you're all trying to do your individual jobs, but sort of do a gigantic, you know, big job together. It's very challenging, just no matter what company you're working for, it's challenging to keep communication effective. It's challenging to manage all the personalities and keep everybody kind of happy. It's like one big family, right? And we usually well. attract our family <laughs> dynamics, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. that end of it that everyone is being affected yeah. by, like, because they're bringing their family issues into the realm. True. Yeah. But you have a lot of these, um, you, you're, at, you're in a lot of meetings that are like these public sort of things where everyone you can't really you, most of the time you can't share exactly what you think or feel about things it's not a pro and it's not because yes. there's some rule to like 
you shouldn't talk. It's just like not appropriate. It's like right. if you're if you're having a meeting about like we're having a challenge with this project, let's brainstorm ideas on how to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Like you might have the thought of like, well, the problem on this project is a problem of the whole company and unless we address that we're never going to fix this problem so this whole meeting is ridiculous it's not going to do anything like you might think that but honestly that's not going to be helpful you know so you're not going to say that but then what that creates in my and this is just my experience but i think a lot of people can relate is what it creates is this sort of like pent up you know you've had these thoughts and meetings that you've kept to yourself but in reality other people have had them too And so then you're in the the break room or you're on a one-on-one phone call with a coworker and, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And then it's like one of you lets slip out something that you thought but couldn't say in a meeting. And the other person thought that too. And you're like, oh my God, I know. Wasn't that ridiculous how that thing went? And it's really easy to get into this like negative, 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 negative. And you just, because it's like this, there's this pent up thing of like, you've kind of made mental notes of your criticisms or your issues or whatever. And you haven't had the right, um, either you haven't worked that out with yeah, the processed it people in your life, you know, yeah, like sometimes yeah. you need to talk to friends outside of work and just go, oh, I'm frustrated with this problem. And you get to a place where you're like, oh, you know, that's really about me. I should just really be more understanding of my coworkers, whatever. But um, yeah, I've had that issue and I've talked about to other friends in the corporate world about this. It's like, it's a real trap and it can be really, it can feel great in the moment or it can feel satisfying, I would say, not good. But it's it's almost like having a a tea kettle and then finally, you know, it's like, and then you let off the steam, right? Yeah. So we need that. I remember you just reminded me of a, I knew a very successful woman who had a business locally and she was had it for decades and it was well known. Um, and I won't mention it just for privacy sake, but she would share that she kept a tablet um, in her desk for mm-hmm. when issues came up and she would pull it out and she would just journal and let it all yeah. out. And that was her way of instead of, you know, because she's the leader, the owner of the business of how to deal with things. And that was her way. And I always thought think I've said this before journaling I I was one who practiced journaling for years and it was like the easiest form of therapy the most inexpensive form of therapy yeah it's just like I'd start and by the end a page or two and I'd be like thank you god la, la, la. and I would just go from this like high energy upset or whatever let it all out on paper kind of like we we're talking about the teapot just the kettle just, yeah you know, letting it all out. And then once it, cause I, you know, that's in this, it's in us. You need to express it in a healthy yeah. way. And then by the end I was like, yeah, all is well. It's going to be fine. Whatever. Yeah. It was like God came in and just kind of like transformed the energy. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Cause like in thinking about my experience in the corporate world, there's this idea that gets passed around. And I think it's, there, there's like a good uh, core idea behind it. It, it can sometimes get misused in my experience, but there's a good core idea. And it's basically this principle, it gets stated in different ways, but the, the core of it is, you know, if, if you're a worker and you report to a manager or a supervisor or something, um, don't just bring a problem to your manager or supervisor, bring the problem, but bring some ideas about how to resolve it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, the, it's there's one way you can misuse it as a manager or supervisor which is 
you can use that to ignore all problems. <laughs> like people can bring real issues and you're like, well, if you don't have a solution, then we're not going to really just, you know, then. Be, well, you know. right. Like with everything, but, right. <laughs> but I think the principle behind it is, is sound and good in the sense that like, because what I've noticed is if I'm going to be honest about myself, you know, like in that example, I've sat in, sat in many corporate meetings. It's just so much easier to poke holes at things. It's just so much easier to criticize. You know, it just doesn't take much energy at all because especially if somebody's coming up with a new, if you're, if, if a group or a person is trying to come up with a new idea to solve a problem, that is like, you can always think up reasons that might not work. You know what I mean? Like if we're doing anything new, you can always sort of say, well, I mean, it's too risky or, you know, like, well, so-and-so yeah. tried that and it didn't work doubting, or something like that. Doubting, right? Like and even that's the Wright brothers are like, they, they're never, there's so many people. Like it's easy. Yeah. Like you said, it's easy. It's easy to yeah. be negative. It's easy to like, see that that's not going to work. I think that's the thing about co-creation is when you're in the process of co-creation, you're in the process of allowing something to come into the universe and manifest that has never manifested before. There might've been things like it, you know, like I'm a songwriter. So, I mean, there's been bajillion songs in the world, all sorts of different genres, you know, have come You've into the world. You've actually written a bajillion songs. Well, that's, thank you, <laughs> bless you. Um, but, but like when I write a new song, that song has never, like nobody has ever put those notes, those chords, those words, Right. that speed that structure with those instruments like no one has ever done that specific one so that has never happened before right that that's and that's the nature of co-creation is like you're doing something that hasn't ever occurred before and the thing is we have this massive database of all the things that have existed already you know so if somebody's really knowledgeable about music and song somebody can you know if i play a new idea on my guitar or something somebody can go you know, they can reference all the songs that have ever been written and just pick out reasons why my new thing shouldn't, you know, is not good or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and, and, you know, same thing in my corporate metaphor there. It's like if I come up with a new idea, there's all these old ideas that have already been done. And it's very easy to go to that pile of information and say, well, here's an example of somebody trying something like that and it not working here's an example of something doing something that's not what you're doing and it, that was successful. So what you're thinking, I don't think will work. It's just very easy. And the, the co-creation process of actually allowing the new idea to just sort of grow and not that you have to like in that corporate metaphor that I keep sticking with. Um, it's not that one person's idea has to be implemented exactly the initial way that that first person thought about it. And there can't be any changes or evolution to it, but um, it is more challenging to say, well, how could we make it work? That's, that's an interesting, like sort of starting point. I don't really, f I'm not feeling great about it, but like, let's all sit around and think about how could we get from there to something good rather than just like throw rocks at it and say, and yeah, isn't this is that why the successful people are successful because they have yes. things like that or they yes. come up and just like, okay, let's see, how can we brainstorm together and it yeah and, and it's a co-creation it's more than one right yeah <clears throat> no i think one of the i mean i guess there's a lot of things if you study people like you know the the usual suspects that people study in terms of like 
successful Americans in history. It's like Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all these people, um, Oprah Winfrey. And they look at like, what did they do? What was their mentality? There's like endless videos and articles on the internet about those folks. And I've read most of them, sadly. Um, but <laughs> no, because part of me, I'm curious because I feel like I was raised in my family and my culture with like a very negative sort of outlook. Things won't work out. You know, you got to be super careful because people are out to get you, that kind of thing. And so I want to know, like, well, how do these like massively successful, outwardly successful people, how did, you know, what's their mindset? And a couple of things that I notice is number one, yeah, they're always, they're looking towards how do we get to yes instead of starting from a standpoint of let's talk about all the ways this won't work. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they, they kind of, but we'll just stay there. Right? right. We'll never move forward. If we just right. stay in the problem or yeah. think that it isn't possible or there isn't an answer or there isn't a solution. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and the other thing is not just that they overcome failure pretty effortlessly. It looks from the outside. But it's that they don't look at failure as the way most people look at failure. Yeah. Like that word is so that triggering for people yeah. in our yeah. culture. Like it's like people, I mean, literally like people in America, at least in this day and age, are can get obsessed with making sure that that word never gets applied to any anything they do or them or whatever. It's like yeah. it's like the worst thing that can happen mm -hmm. because they're so scared that other people will perceive them as like a a, a less worthwhile person if they've yeah. failed at something. Mm -hmm. But like the most successful people, if you really look at their history, like and people drag out Jeff Bezos and Amazon all the time as well. And I'm not saying that everything Amazon has ever done has been wonderful, but if you look at just the story of Jeff Bezos building Amazon and hanging in there and sticking with it and learning through all these ups and downs, the, the most, the most glaring of it is that the dot-com bubble where everybody was starting all these internet businesses and it was all the rage around 1998, 1999. And then in 2000, it was basically this financial bubble where people had, you know, there was too many too many website ideas and none of the, a lot of them didn't have enough real power behind them to sustain themselves. So there was like this collapse and people all of a sudden fell out of love with internet businesses. And it's like, Oh, that's, those were just fairy tales. And Amazon actually had to survive that because they were one of these like, Oh, we're going to sell books online on a website. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. And people were really interested at first. And then when this sort of like, Oh, internet businesses are just a fairy tale. Amazon got really hurt by that. And he, was able to ride through that and and just stay the course and kind so of he like was persistent consistent there was yeah. some belief determination yeah perseverance like all these things that and he didn't yeah and he didn't view that because amazon definitely got hurt during that period but he didn't view that as a failure he viewed that as how can we learn from that and get better you know mm -hmm. yeah. and i think that's the thing so many people are so terrified and i mean i'm i'm in this well, boat i've been terrified of failure in my life but sorry me too right but then i always think like whenever i something didn't go as i wanted or i failed per se i always learned from it right there was something that i learned from that example like yeah i wanted to get this client and it didn't happen but but doing that process i discovered another part of my business that in my implement i implemented it and it was so and had i not had that experience i would have seen like i wouldn't have seen like oh where was i missing the spot where was i failing to yeah. 
see the bigger picture here and it ended up being such a gift to me yeah and so yeah using all those failures opportunity to learn right and to yeah. feel like what isn't working okay how can i make this different how can i make it better what did i learn from yeah. that experience yeah cool. exactly cool great discussion i actually had another idea but i think we should do it in the next episode if you're up for it um what's that well, we'll talk about it in the next episode. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a little, little bit of a cliffhanger teaser there for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and of course, again, I've lost my script for the ending. But anyway, thank you so much for listening and watching, uh, whether you listen to us in the audio version on your podcast platform or you watched us here on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much. Um, we're so grateful to you for um, watching and listening. And thank you so much for liking, subscribing, writing us a review. Um, all that stuff. It really helps other people find the show here who really need it. So we're really grateful to you for that. Um, Stephanie, uh, if people want to find you, how can they do that on the um, My website, www.powerenjoy.com. P-O-W-E-R-I-N-J-O-Y. And same title, um, business name at Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Let's chat. Okay, great. And you can always follow me and also write me a direct message on Instagram at Colin with two L's underscore Daniels underscore Worcester W O R S T E R. I'd love to hear from you as well. And also you can also email us if you want to email both of us, if you don't want to choose who you're going to talk to, um, you can email uh, both Stephanie and I at our email address of co-creation station one, 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 one at gmail.com. Thanks so much again for watching and listening, everybody. We wish you a wonderful, happy, joyous, prosperous week ahead. And we'll see you next time on co-creation station. Bye. <laughs>